0: Welcome into another episode of OESA's Automotive Insiders. I'm your host, Jason Stein, also of SiriusXM's Cars & Culture on Business Channel 132. Distribution networks and their structures are changing faster than the industry's shift on the propulsion side. In a way, it's a perfect storm for the industry. New startup EV companies are coming to market with direct-to-consumer models, which are putting pressure on traditional franchise dealers who want to sell EVs. The shift has already been massive thanks to the effects of COVID by and large dealerships are already positioning themselves for a shift focusing on the consumer experience, delivery, service, and a better overall level of satisfaction. But what will all of this mean for the traditional distribution model and the changes that could occur in the future? Today, we'll find out from Rich Wilkins, industry executive advisor, automotive and manufacturing of SAP. He tells us about the pressure on the traditional model and gives us a view to the future. Where's the model going? Rich Wilkins tells us on this episode of OESA's Automotive Insiders. Well, it's great to be at the Detroit Auto Show with my next guest, and not only for the fact that uh, we are surrounded by a great product and obviously people in the industry But we're here talking about something extremely topical, which is the changing distribution or possible changes in the distribution model, Rich. So welcome in, first of all.
1: Yeah, it's great to be here. It's great to be at the auto show this year. It is. It's been a great success.
0: Yes, indeed. So tell me just initially your thoughts on some of the biggest disruptive changes occurring in the retail landscape and the distribution channels going forward.
1: Well, obviously some of the usual suspects, you know, around just the supply chain issues, semiconductors, you know, things of that nature. But really just the whole relationship of the consumer, you know, to a dealership is is going to make some fundamental changes over the next number of years. And that's all being driven by, you know, the EVs, The uh, again, some of the supply chain issues, some of the you know the the lower vehicle sales but also you know driven by the fact that you know we're probably going to looking at fewer vehicles being sold although the value of those vehicles will be higher as we go along so all the tech that's going into vehicles all the things that that go into it uh, the value goes up so less vehicles but that means places a huge demand on kind of the customer care networks that are currently in place and that's where i think you know, dealers are obviously going to be going in terms of, you know, where where their focus is going to be, not just that initial sale, that initial, you know, dealer showroom floor type of interaction that they have. And then, you know, here's your contract and on your your way you go with your brand new vehicle and, and the service garage is right out back. That's going to, that service garage is going to become a bigger player in the overall interaction of the vehicle. And we're seeing that Right now, with let's say ADAS technology, right? Um, These cars have been on the road for five or six years. This is, you know, the standard technology. Ten years ago, we were just talking about, you know, backup cameras and things of that nature. Now, it's standard features on every single vehicle. So, we're just discovering, really, not discovering, but we're just starting to train so that we can take care of that type of technology in the vehicle. So. You know certain um, you know repairs or certain services that have to be, have to happen on a perfectly level floor. There has to be ways. There's specific ways to calibrate each individual device. So as the more and more technology goes into the vehicle, that service space within the dealership becomes the most critical part of the dealership. The other thing is is that you know from an aftermarket perspective, it, you know we have you know numbers that say that dealers um, will, I mean, people still want the dealer experience. So um, it, it is a, still a major purchase. So those types of vehicles will be, you know, continue to be, uh, you know, a high-touch type environment that, that the consumer is going to want.
0: There's so much in the news, Rich, right now uh, in terms of automakers wanting to reshape their dealer network. There have been talks of uh, buyouts at certain OEMs. Right. There has been conversations about minimum investments that are, are required, and, and in some cases, a very tight deadline to make those kinds of uh, decisions. Is this a tipping point for the traditional dealer?
1: I think it's a, it's an evolutionary point. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's a if it's a tipping point per se. I don't think dealers will go away. I think everyone still wants. I mean, the consumers still are still wanting. That hometown dealer, that OEM branded dealer that uh, you know in their neighborhood that 's been you know proven by numerous uh, surveys and things of that nature but um, but yeah, again, the shift will be to taking care of the vehicle and taking care of that consumer, taking care of the the owner as as the, the vehicle life cycle goes, so I think the pressure right now is coming. Uh, just because they, you know, the OEMs are trying to get con- kind of more control over the dealerships. They want they want them to make this move to it. Um, they want to be able to control some of the dials. I mean, basically a dealership has, you know, vehicle sales, service, you know, financing. And, you know, those are the, the big levers that they have. And so OEMs are going to need to have or going to want to have more control over that in terms of what they can do and how they can position their vehicles in the market. So, yeah.
0: Did COVID, because of all the ramifications of logistics and chip shortages, really just paved the way for what yeah. OEMs wanted Yeah. anyway?
1: Yeah, yeah it accelerated it, right? Accelerated the need. So it, it definitely downplayed the sales room floor. Um, you know, it took that away almost. And then it showed that a hybrid model could work. And then even a pure online model is working, obviously, in, in some of the newer OEMs. And, and especially when we see some of, the, like, the startup EVs, for an example, you're going to see... Brand new models coming out for those, and and so some of, as the legacy automakers start to, I call them legacy, but the those automakers start to gain ground in the market and actually become the, the big players. You're going to see them model themselves after some of these new, what these new OEMs are doing, you know, in the dealer space,
0: which will create the ongoing and forever friction that's occurred between automakers and retailers since the dawn of time. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> right,
1: right. Um,
0: but there's also the, this mode of direct to consumer that's now being talked about openly and freely. That's right. right. Uh, many automakers. And uh, if you're in the retail space, I guess the, you know, the next stage of evolution, to use your, your word, is providing full, full service or different services, right? right? What does that look like for you?
1: Well, I, I see it more as you know, n- not virtual. We're going to see, I think, more service going out to the vehicles. In terms of you know that service bay going, we're already seeing that, especially in some of your premium brands. Um, you're going to see um, you know more emphasis on on the service and in terms of and and the level of service and and quite frankly, the profitability of the service bay is going to go up still. So you're still going to need that OEM brand, or at least we're predicting that you're still going to need that OEM branded dealer you know in the neighborhood or down the street. That's going to be part of your buying decision but the actual online sale of that will, will become more and more prevalent so that that showroom floor is gonna take less and less space up as, as we move along although the concept of a dealer I think will still exist
0: and consumers the ultimate um, uh, they'll determine that right exactly I mean consumer buying habits we've seen over the last two years have just changed completely the where it was once a, a search and click and 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 to drive around various lots is now search click buy is right it?
1: right you know? right and then the, the dealership just becomes the pickup place where you go pick it up or they bring it to your house right and drop it off like some of these online dealers especially the used car dealerships
0: do you point at Tesla as being the real um,
1: uh, agitator in this in this mix they're an this? agitator for sure and yeah. uh, in, in terms of putting that model out there to begin with so they they kind of have that that point of view but you're also seeing you know the direct to consumer whether that be uh, individual or you know a fleet based consumer with some of the startups as well so i think they'll go and copy that route also uh, you'll see the you know the the big oems or the legacy oems uh, actually uh, start pursuing you know more of a hybrid model and start putting more and more efforts into that that sales models you'll see partnerships with, um, you know, different types of tech firms that, uh, that you know, go f- toward more of that online approach.
0: There is the prediction that inventory levels will never return to where they were maybe the last time we were at this Detroit Auto Show. Right. <laughs> three years ago.
1: Right. The 17 million mark. Or right. Or, or
0: even just a day supply level that, that, right. that hovered, you know, in some cases at the 70, 80, 90 mark. Do you, where do you see OEMs in, in, in terms of their level of uh, production going forward, knowing that the end goal here is to own the entire uh, transaction will they will they keep inventories at a, at, a, at a now normalized level or do you see them in inventories? Rising?
1: I think inventory levels will go up uh, a little bit. We will not see the same levels that we saw you know a few years ago. Um, we're not going to get there but The value of the vehicle is going to go up, so we don't need to get to that level. Um, So you know, even though there's going to be more technology put into the vehicles, the the vehicles will last longer. um, But at the same, and they'll 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 you know they'll get more usage or whatever, and then and trade-ins and things of that nature will become less. But um, but again, the the actual you, you don't want to focus on kind of the the unit price of the vehicle, you, or you you don't want to focus on the number of units produced. You want to focus on the value going into that and what kind of value is being driven into the market based on each individual vehicle. And do you worry,
0: finally, about affordability? I mean, there, there is um, a fairly um, a great concern that the middle class buyer, entry level even buyer, is being completely squeezed out of the market because of trans- average, average transaction level.
1: I think that's what we're seeing now, but we we haven't seen, you know, we're the automotive business is a business where, in order to make money, we have to make millions of these things. We <laughs> we we can't just make a few. So we, we're going from making a few, like in, in the in the Bev space specifically, to now you know GM's coming up with a very affordable vehicle that kind of suits your you know your average family consumer, um, and 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 these are going to become. You know, these are become the popular vehicles. I mean, you can just go down to the the showroom floor and see all the e, everyone has an EV in their in their space. Um, the other thing that we we're seeing recently too, which points to that, is that you know the, the EV market, especially, um, you know the the it, the the value of the EV or the the volume of EVs that we're selling, is is not following the gas price, so even though gas prices are going down, EV sales are still going up. Right, right. So those types of trends, and you know whether we're in a recession or not, or will be, you know, determine whether who can afford these vehicles. But yeah, I'll you know basically with all the money, especially now, instead of just private equity, and you know these startups, you know, putting the money into the market now we're seeing the automakers, the big automakers, put tens of billions, billions with a B, into the market, you know, for things like infrastructure and to get rid of the range worry and stuff like that. So so we're seeing a lot of things happen that will make that that vehicle very affordable and, you know, very usable, consumable.
0: Rich, thank you so much for joining me on the program here at the Detroit Auto Show again.
1: All right. Great to be here. Thanks, Jason. Thank you.
0: That's this episode of Automotive Insiders. Remember to follow the program wherever your favorite podcast appears. And thanks again to my guest today, Rich Wilkins of SAP. Thanks for listening to OESA's Automotive Insiders. I'm Jason Stein. We'll talk to you again next time.